Welcome back to the second part of the CSET podcast on body diversity. We will now continue our conversation with Ian Patton, Director of Advocacy and Public Engagement at Obesity Canada, and Kari Schneider, CSEP Certified Exercise Physiologist, Strength and Conditioning Coach, Researcher, and Founder of The Empowered. Links to both Kari and Ian's bios, as well as the information they mentioned throughout this episode, can be found in the show notes. There was such a conversation around body composition in so many different sports. So I don't want to, I don't want to pigeonhole one because it, it, like you take volleyball players and if they're not lean enough, they're not jumping as high. If you take a hockey player and on it goes, like I, I could go on and on. We, we used to weigh in athletes every single day, not because of their weight, not because of their body composition, but because of their dehydration, because they're doing two a days or three a days. And so we had to make sure their hydration was there. And yet, you know, there's a number of athletes where I would just, because they get so tied up in it, I just asked them not to, I'd be seeing the number and, and checking on hydration and they wouldn't so that they weren't obsessing about the number. Cause we just needed to know whether they were staying hydrated, especially if we're acclimatizing for a hot country or, or doing things like that. And yet it, it's so hard to separate the two of the, the psychology of what someone believes they're supposed to be, whether it's from society, their parents, their own desires, whatever it is, it's so, so challenging to separate that from, from the reality of what is healthy and what isn't. And, um, and even that is subjective because, any of us might be able to maintain healthy metrics on any of our blood markers and, and fluctuate one place or another. Somebody might lose weight because they've been sick. Somebody might gain weight. You know, it, it, it's, it's so variable, but, but what I, I do want to suggest in, in a bigger picture thing is that we, we tend as humans to go for, if it's this, it's not that. Um, or there's, you know, these three scenarios, like really simple, really narrow. And this, and that helps us usually simplicity helps us keep moving forward, simplicity and clarity. However, in this situation, I think it's really powerful to point to the complexity because then people can, when they really understand that they don't understand, like when they really understand that they can't possibly get all of the nuances, whether it's, you know, someone's gut biome or something they experienced as a child or, um, just their genetic code. Like there's just so, so many things that if, and this can go across any topic, let alone this one, but especially sensitive topics where people like to polarize and think it's this or it's that, when they understand how complex it is and that there's still a whole bunch of common ground, even if there was two sides or three sides, then, then that I think can help people in, in going, Oh, I, I, I never fully understood that. I never truly embraced that this person 
has a different set of billions of bacteria in their body than the next person, or this person has a different genetic code than the next person. Like I have a genetic code that I'm, I have two parents that are naturally toothpicks. And so my challenge is keeping muscle mass on. And, you know, a lot of women out there would think that that is, if we look at body diversity, a lot of women out there would, would love that as a gift. Well, not if this body is topped with the brain of a strength coach and, you know, and it doesn't match the, the puzzle pieces. Right. Um, so, or an exercise physiologist or, or whatever, or, or playing in a world that tends to be more male dominated than, than female inclusive. Um, so pointing to the complexity of things, I think is one of these rare instances that, that helps people instead of, um, instead of, instead of simplifying it to have people understand when, when they may not, it may be useful to point out that you, you can't possibly understand because there are so many nuances to this. Yeah. I think you pointed to a, a, a really important point there and about simplification of things. And when we're talking about body diversity, um, a lot of the problems and, and issues around it and the stigma and bias that people face when it comes to their bodies is kind of the product of really an oversimplification of a really complex issue. Um, bodies are incredibly complex. They are incredibly diverse and we have oversimplified them with things like BMI and using BMI on an individual basis. It's not the purpose of that tool. That tool is meant for, population level data, and it does not translate down to the individual. So that's an instance of oversimplification that's caused a lot more harm than it has good for a lot of people. And I think that's kind of the root cause or the basis of a lot of the issues around body diversity and the messages that we face about what our bodies are supposed to be or what we should be in terms of, you know, size and shape and those sorts of things. So I think that's, that's a, that's a really important point you brought up there. Thank you. Um, when, when you talk about body diversity, um, what are some of the other, I mean, I can think of all kinds of things within clients and, and athletes that I've experienced, but, um, what other what are the things do you notice in this day and age that are, that are significant issues in body diversity in that conversation? Sorry, could you say that again? So like the concept of body diversity, we've spoken a fair bit about obesity and that's one part of body diversity. What other things do you think are significant right now? in terms of that conversation around body diversity? Is it, um, is it simply just accepting everybody where they're at? Is it, um, is it a conversation around, because we've mostly spoken to obesity mm -hmm. and, and yet there's, you know, there's, 
people with no legs. There's thin, thin people who are judged for being thin. There are, you know, there's, there's so many different things. So what else do you think is relevant at this point? Well, I think um, the one word that you said there that, that stuck out to me was being judged. And I just don't think we should be judging anyone regardless. Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty simple. We could be a lot better humans if we just were a little bit kinder to each other. And there's, you know, that the talking about like judging a book by its cover is something that I think we really need to uh, step away from. And yeah, the stuff I talk about and the stuff that I have a lot of experience of, with is kind of the um, obesity side of things. Um, but when we're talking about body diversity, that's, you know, it in, it's inclusive of all bodies. And there's lots of body sizes and shapes that might not feel comfortable or confident in a fitness setting. And I'm just as loud and vocal advocate for people um, that are on that side of things who, who, you know, might not be dealing with a larger body or, uh, or obesity, but they don't feel comfortable or confident in those settings. I think they absolutely have a right to be, and we should all be trying our best to do better for those people as well. So is it a, who, in terms of a solution, solution options, cause there's never one solution. Um, what, what, what do you think are some best practices in all sorts of settings, whether it's a, a fitness facility or, um, any, anything like that? What do you think are some of the solutions? Solutions for, for, for being more inclusive and body diverse without the judgment, like, because we can't, mm -hmm. we can't go and tell everybody not to judge. I mean, I, I, I invite to lead by example, by being inclusive, by not shaming people, by, um, by not making assumptions about people based on a first glance. Um, so, you know, I've got five kids, I've got a blended family of five, you know, I, I'm pretty sensitive to the example I set not only for my children, my family, but my clients and the people I'm looking to inspire then, but I'm, I'm sensitive to it too, because like I said, I, I have, it's harder for me to maintain muscle mass. Right. But that means, and I love to, to be active and I love to eat healthy. And that's, that's my identity that I choose to keep fueling. But that means I have a body that's unrealistic for most females. In fact, it's unrealistic for most humans. So then I'm really, really sensitive to how I show up in the world because I don't want people to think that I think that this is how everybody's supposed to be because I'm fully aware that it's not. And I'm also fully aware that, you know, I was dealt a certain deck of genetic cards. I also know what those genetic cards look like unhealthy from various family members and what those genetic cards look like healthy. And at the same time, what I present isn't realistic for most humans, male or female in terms of body composition or fitness level or the practices that I, that I maintain. 
And I'm really, really aware that I don't want people to think that I think that they're supposed to do exactly what I do or have a body composition like I do, or do you know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm always curious to, I, I'm always looking to, for instance, if somebody stepped into my gym of 16 years to have them immediately feel welcome, immediately feel connected with, immediately feel heard by how I communicated with them so that they didn't, because there's apprehension already when they're looking to, when they're looking to shift something in their lives, change is scary, period. Mm -hmm. Let alone if they feel judged or feel like they're an outlier or feel whatever. And so I've spent a lot of time um, either downplaying or sidestepping or making, not highlighting certain things because I don't want people to feel that, that what I present is what other people are supposed to um, strive for or anything along those lines. Yeah, there's, um, while you were talking, there's definitely a few things that kind of popped up in my head that I was thinking about. And um, again, kind of flipping to my, some of the work I've done with Obesity Canada, we recently released, well, not recently, they're, they're a couple years old now, but new clinical practice guidelines for obesity management. And one of the things that was included in, the, in that project was uh, a chapter on weight bias and discrimination. And um, so, you know, understanding that we're talking about body diversity as a whole and not specifically on obesity and, and larger bodies, uh, I think this can still apply. But one of the main recommendations that came out of that weight bias chapter for managing obesity for health professionals was to first recognize and acknowledge your own bias when it comes to weight bias. And I think we all need to kind of reflect on that. And that's, um, you know, we all have it. We all um, have that weight bias. It's part of, you know, society and it's something that's there and we need to acknowledge it and kind of recognize how our perceptions and, and our beliefs and things like that might influence our delivery of care to someone who's experiencing these things. And so that's step one. We need to recognize and acknowledge that bias. I think we also need to, if we're talking about from the lens of someone who's a health professional or providing care or, you know, a fitness professional or something like that, we also have to recognize that a lot of these people are coming into our offices or our gyms or things like that with internalized bias as well. Like they already have negative feelings about themselves. If it's someone who's, you know, living with obesity or a larger body and they're walking into the gym for the first time in 20 years, that could be something that is incredibly challenging for them. They're already going to be defensive. They're expecting to be treated differently. And that's going to impact how they interact with you, the health mm -hmm. professional or the fitness professional. I think that's mm -hmm. something that, again, just recognizing that that could influence that communication is another important step. Now, when you were talking about, you know, making people feel comfortable and welcome and inclusive and things like that, there's a lot of things we could talk about there. I think, um, but I guess one of the first things is, is considering the environment that these people are walking into. Is it inclusive? If we're talking about, say, a fitness facility, um, representation matters. And, you know, like you go into uh, most gym spaces, most fitness facilities, and all the imagery up on the wall is of the super jacked 
um, probably unattainable body sizes or shapes for most people. Mm-hmm. And that's not representative. I can't see myself up on those walls, so yeah. I'm not going to feel comfortable. Same thing with the language that we use and how we talk to people. Um, again, in my world, uh, when it comes to Obesity Canada, um, you know, it could even come down to things like the equipment and what's around, like that chair that's over there in that corner. If I want to take a seat, is it going to support me? Is it mm-hmm. going to fit my body? Yeah. I don't know. And if it doesn't, I'm not going to feel comfortable. I'm not going to want to come back if there's nowhere for me to feel safe and comfortable. Yeah. But those little things are things that a lot of people take for granted and they don't recognize as being a limiting factor. And yeah. I think that's something that could have a big impact as well. Yeah, no, I, I love I love what you've pointed to. And, uh, you know, as you're speaking, I'm, I'm visualizing what my gym was. Um, you know, there weren't there were very few mirrors there weren't any posters on the walls. There were all free weights, you know, is things like that is very, very functional. Um, and, and that, that being said, it's, um, there's still such a, that level of, of psychological safety, you know, that feeling of, because somebody's not going to necessarily feel like they belong anywhere new right away, but they can feel like they, they fit in. They can feel it. Just, it usually takes a little more time to feel like they belong, but they can feel like they're safe, like they're included, like they fit in. And and one of the things that that occurred to me as well, um, when you were sharing the the biases, is that that a lot of the time, for a lot of people, they're not aware of their own thoughts. They're not aware of their own biases. It's, it's a complete blind spot. So, I mean, that awareness is, I think, going to be a challenge for a number of people and at the same time, entirely possible, entirely doable and entirely helpful for everybody to become more aware of, of all of their biases. And then at the same time, I think that because this is a podcast that's, that's speaking largely to Canadian Society for Exercise Physiology people, you know, and being an exercise physiologist, these are things that we care about. I think that we're in some aspects speaking to the choir because a lot of people who are going into the gym and seeking professional help and that professional they might be seeking is a personal trainer, whether they're certified in any level or not. I think that the number of personal trainers out there or people who are passionate in the weight gym and become personal trainers of some sort, or they, they uh, practice that anyway, may not have any of this conversation, may not be exposed to any of this type of conversation. Um, so I, I really think that the people who are likely listening are really open to exploring their own biases, are really open to the best approach for making everyone feel comfortable, are really committed to the greatest health, health that they can provide or deliver or inspire or teach in whatever role that they play. And at the same time, I think we're far outnumbered by people who um, have some beliefs that 
that they they may not re- they may not realize excuse me that they have their own biases and so um you know, I, I really, I, I think that there's, there's a bigger picture conversation and it revolves around, around a wholeness of a human and that human being someone who, you know, yes, there's all the physiological markers and the biomechanical markers and all of these things, but then there's also this level of, of heart and soul and spirit that says I'm complete, whether I have an extra hundred pounds, I'm a whole human just, and I love myself, total talk and self-love here. I know everyone who's listening, this is an exercise physiology podcast and I'm bringing in the self-love talk, but completely loving on themselves. And that alone fosters acceptance, fosters actions that are going to be serving their best health, whatever that looks like. Um, so I, I really, uh, I really think that the more we as humans show up and nurture that part of us, loving on other people, loving on ourselves, then the conversation about judging other people and having biases towards other people is less and less and less and understanding that it's so complex and that who are we to think that that person should be this or should be that no matter what our expertise is, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I'm, <laughs> those are great points. And, and you're, you're right. If, if we are paying attention to that self-care, that self-love, it, uh, it definitely makes those uh, that recognition of biases, or at least, you know, the, the limitations that those biases can implement that makes them less impactful. So um, it's definitely an important part of the conversation. Hmm. We dropped the self-love bomb there. So are, are there other, uh, other things that you think are, are pertinent on this, this topic? There's so much, we could just go and go and go. I'm sure. <laughs> I, I could talk all day about this stuff, but I think we've, uh, I'm, I'm just trying to see if we've uh, gone off of uh, script, if there's questions we need to pull in here. Of course, we've gone off script. We're having a conversation. The code word for this episode of the CSEP podcast is powerful. CSEP certified members can enter the code word powerful into their CSEP portal account to receive 1.5 PDCs for this episode. Um, in terms of research right now, uh, yeah, I, I, I've... I haven't been diving into as much on body diversity lately. I've been diving into some other things, but what I can say is that, um, you know, I, I, I see how people struggle in going for what they desire. And when it comes to their bodies, it's an especially sensitive topic and some things I do impart a lot are, are things like, you know, progress is fulfillment and happiness right there. So as long as somebody's making some level of progress and it doesn't have to be with their fitness or their health, just some area of their life, whether it's in their, their relationships or their career or their health or their self or, or whatever it happens to be, 
as long as they're making some level of progress, then chances are they're going to feel fulfilled and that's going to fuel other actions towards progress in whatever they, whatever they aspire to. And, and the other one really that comes up a lot, because I tend to draw a lot of achiever leader types. And it's that it's that perfection is actually the lowest standard. And the reason that perfection is the lowest standard is because it holds people stuck. It doesn't actually ever accomplish the thing when people are trying to attain some level of perfection. And, and when people can embrace that, then they, they really realize how much they're wasting their own energy and trying to achieve something that doesn't exist and something that really is holding them in the same place. It's not actually allowing them to embrace their lives, enjoy their lives. So, um, so those are a couple of things I'd like to impart. Um, our company's the empowered. We have a podcast. We do all these things in order to have people live their best lives, whatever they want that to look like, not what I want it to look like, not what society says it's supposed to look like, not what their health is supposed to be based on what Instagram says, but what they want for themselves that fulfills them, not the empty feeling of winning the race and then going, okay, that was it. But the real true fulfillment in life. And that's, that's really what we're all about. And, um, I, I really think that, um, I, I think that numbers don't lie. I love research. I, I will always, always be pouring over whatever research that I can. And, the other part of that is that numbers don't lie, but they don't tell the whole story. So for us to be able to still have objectivity, to step back, to have compassion and, and take a look at what really matters versus just trying to make things black and white. And so I really, really appreciate this conversation um, just to be able to have it so openly and, and not be you know, making anything this way or that way. Yeah. And I think uh, while you were talking there, I was, I was thinking a few things as well. And, and when we're talking about specifically around like the fitness industry and this, this conversation that we've been having on body diversity, I think um, one thing that we need to recognize is that when it comes to behavior change or helping people to live their healthiest lives and, and to be active and to exercise and all those sorts of things. Confidence and self-efficacy play a huge role in that. And, and they need to feel that they can do and that they, they can be successful. And I think what we're missing is um, a lot of times that measurement of success is misplaced. It's it's generally put on the scale, right? That number on yep. the scale is going to be the measurement of success. And yep. if that's the case, most of the time, it's going to be a failure. Yeah. And people are, that are doing that for that number on the scale are going to experience failure over and over and over again. Because like we mentioned earlier, our bodies are incredibly complex. Weight is tightly regulated. There is a whole lot of science going on. And it's not as simple as if I do all this exercise, I'm going to be this size. It doesn't work that simply. Yeah. So if we're misplacing that, that goal or that, that measurement of success, 
it's not going to help us with the confidence and self-efficacy. So if we can place that importance or that, that me metric of success on things that are more appropriate, um, people are going to stick to their healthy behaviors a lot more. They're going to, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's going to be a lot more successful. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm someone who works in the world of obesity and I'm a patient advocate. I share my story freely and I talk about all sorts of things, anything related to my experience and my, my journey. The one thing I don't talk about is my weight because my weight doesn't matter. You know, it, it means nothing. It has no yeah. bearing on my health. It has no bearing on how successful I was with my, you know, whether it's bariatric surgery or obesity treatment. Uh, it has no bearing on the healthy behaviors that I do. Like it, it doesn't matter to that stuff. So, um, you know, my measurement of success is completely different. And it could be the stuff that I talk about with my doctors in terms of, you know, uh, physiological, uh, you know, blood markers and things like that. But generally, I'm just talking about my function and how active and mobile I am now, you know, pre treatment, I wasn't very, I wasn't able to be as active as I wanted to be. Yeah, I went from being a super high level athlete to being um, someone who couldn't take his kids out to their recreational activities and stuff because yeah. I didn't have the energy for it. Yeah. Now I'm a multi sport coach with my kids and I participate yeah. in their lives. And so like, that's my success. And I think as an as an industry, we need to shift the focus for fitness and, and healthy lifestyle into those things that are going to have more impact. Yeah. Well, I, I love, I love that you said that. And I think that's one of the most powerful things is that, that your weight isn't part of the conversation. Um, and it's exactly why I ask when they say I want blank, that's exactly why I ask why, why do you want that? And then they're going to say something like what you just said. They're going to mm -hmm. say, I want to play with my kids. I want to coach my kids. I want to be, you know, able to pick up my grandkids. I want to, I want to run my first 5k. Like the whys are not around this imaginary number on a scale. And so it's so I think what I just love what you said, because it speaks to um, who we are as humans, what we want are, we want connection and we want experiences in life. Mm -hmm. And these, these bag of bones that we happen to be living in are our only vehicles in order to do that. So if we can understand what we really want, you know, we, we really want to do certain things and be with people and connect in different ways. When we understand what we really want, then the, then it, it, it shifts the conversation because mm -hmm. then we're all on the same playing field because really when it comes down to it, most of us care about very, very similar things. And yeah. then we're less divided. We're more, um, we're more connected. So really powerful. Thank you. Yeah. yeah and I guess, uh, just one last thought for for uh, resources and stuff from from my end of things with obesity canada um you know we have clinical practice guidelines that i mentioned they can be found on our website we have a number of other resources but um, within those guidelines there is a chapter on physical activity and there's you know evidence-based recommendations that are um, built out from there and there's a chapter on uh you know uh, nutrition as well and there's uh, like I mentioned earlier, the chapter on weight bias, I think is incredibly important and could be a useful resource for people. Um, 
And then we do a whole lot of other educational um, opportunities, whether it's our, we have a monthly webinar series called Connected Conversations. Um, and then we also do a lot of education for um, health professionals on obesity. So um, that might be something that's useful for people if they want to check us out on our website. Cool. I love it. I think those are fantastic resources. Um, my resources have to do with my my website. So we're the empowered.ca and we, we coach, uh, we coach mindset for, for leaders and achievers. And usually who we attract now at this point is, um, are people who have an affinity, a strong affinity for health and, and activity. So it's, it's great. This concludes part two of two of the CSEP podcast episode on body diversity. I'd like to thank both Ian and Kari for taking the time to take part in this episode and for sharing their lived experiences on the topic of body diversity. Links to all of the resources mentioned in today's episode have been included in the show notes. CSEP certified members, don't forget to enter today's code word into your CSEP portal account.